Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, I'm Kara, and I'm a member of the Faith to Gray Patreon. I'd like to talk to you about an easy and affordable way to get your finances in order. Ryan from BoundlessFinancialSolution.com can help you set up a budget, learn how to invest your money, and even help you understand retirement. And they don't just work with the individual, they work with businesses and nonprofits as well. What's awesome is they won't ever cold call you or spam your email. You tell them your needs, hopes, and dreams, and they'll provide you with their best options at your convenience. Listeners of Fade to Gray can call 413-977-9967 and ask for Brian. Or you can email him directly at brian at bfs-team.com and mention the podcast to receive a free consultation. That's hundreds of dollars in value. Services are available where licensed. Look, you have no excuse not to get your finances in order. Visit BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com and let them remove your financial fears. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray Podcast. Everything will be aces. Let's get faded, guys. Hell yeah. He has many, and I mean many, leather-bound books on shelves made of rich mahogany. Now you've heard of gay conversion therapy. Well, this is gray conversion therapy. I think you're going to like it. I'm not braver than you. I'm just drunker than you. And you're fabulous. You deserve to be called you're fabulous. What do you think about the podcast? It sucks. Nice. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fade to Gray. Um, on the roundtable today, we've got Omar, Seth, and myself. I'm Chris. And today, our special guest is Luke King, a former Foursquare pastor, seminary student, and U.S. Navy chaplain candidate turned atheist. He went from believing in divine healing, speaking in tongues, casting out demons and other supernatural phenomenon to embracing a secular perspective on life. Now, he does not consider himself an atheist evangelist, but he does have a podcast called Your Atheist Pastor. We're very excited to get to talk to him today. Please welcome Luke King. Hey, guys. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, 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 an, what an intro. My goodness. My yeah, goodness. You wrote it yourself. Did I, write, did I write that? <laughs> Shit, that was good. <laughs> I think that was pre-formulated. <laughs> and Foursquare, that's, right. that's that church that you basically get ordained through if you can't get into the Assemblies of God, correct? Uh, yes! <laughs> yes, Omar! Way to go, man! There's, I think you're the first person that knows that. So, uh, well, so, I, so I, I was ordained, or not ordained, but I got my license to preach through Assemblies of God. Nice! So, yeah, uh, Foursquare is Assemblies of God's crazy cousin is is the best way to the best way to see it like everybody's got that crazy cousin that shows up to like the holidays and so foursquare is like they they left assemblies of god and they were like my family's crazy so we're gonna go be crazier and <laughs> and uh and uh, it's actually a, a phenomenal story i mean the the, the history of the denomination is hilarious in that it's founded by a woman um, and now there has not been a woman. That's not biblical. Well, and there hasn't been a woman president <laughs> since she was the president. Um, uh, and uh, found a, but she had, I think, seven marriages throughout the oh, course gosh. of her lifetime. Yeah, and actually faked her own kidnapping at one time. And um, and yeah, no, it's a it's a uh, her Sounds uh, very Amy, biblical. Yeah, um, uh, Amy Temple <laughs> McPherson is her name, and and she is just it's a 
fascinating. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, so that's, I mean, I was doomed, I guess, from the very beginning uh, to, uh, you know, to end up where I am today. I actually know a few four score pastures and worked alongside of them in Alaska and stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought Foursquare was an app. Yeah. Well, so it's an app or it's a playground game. Uh, you know, yeah. you have those four squares and uh, you just you hit the ball back and forth to each other. We played that in in uh, in um, grade school all the time when I was growing up in Michigan. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, no, I'm I'm happy to be here, guys. This is gonna be. I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. Well, Lucas, I am really stoked that you're here. My name is Seth, and I've been listening to your podcast a bit, uh, kind of catching up, prepping for today. And hearing your story has been really interesting. I myself grew up in a Southern Baptist uh, background. Spent a lot of time um, wishing I wasn't gay and kind of went through my whole transition and hearing, like, and working through that. Um, and I'm still, like, hanging on to the faith a little bit. Like, I've not, I'm not, a, I'm not let go. Um, but I want to hear your story, kind of how things started with with your transition um specifically because it sounds like you were pretty pretty involved in the so faith. Is that correct? so i i was i was as in as you can be like right. like there was there i mean i was a pastor my undergraduate degree is in philosophy and religion um i was working on my master of divinity i was going to be a chaplain in the navy so i wanted to be a pastor to folks in the military and like I was in, I believed it. Like I, I had, I had demons cast out of me in college. I believed in casting out demons. Like it, it was a, you know, I mean, I was, I, if you, if you were try, if you were to say like, how in can you be? Like, like how describe the most like brainwashed indoctrinated person you could find. Um, mm-hmm. you, you could just put my, my face in front of it because it really like I was. Like I, you know, I, I talk to these people all the time on my show who are like, when I was seven years old, I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Like I. I, it took me, it took me like till I was like 27 to be like, something is off here. Likewise. And, and yeah. I'd, I'd be talking to these people who were like, well, when I was 16, it just didn't sound right. And I was like, well, when I was 16, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, Jesus. And so, so, um, so, so I, does it I, make you feel a little retarded? Uh, a little is, is an understatement. <laughs> I, I feel like so, um, well, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like there's... A, you guys should see Seth's face right now. <laughs> Seth's face, man. Mr. Clinical Social Worker over here is making this face of like, oh, you can't say that like, word. You yeah. just said that. Can we yeah. add that? Like, what do we mean? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry? I, would say, I would say that I feel, uh, I, maybe not that word, but I would say my development feels a little bit behind. And sure. um, and so I think that... Uh, <laughs> Which is what retarded means. That, but okay. <laughs> I think that I even you know, I talked to I talked to Tammy all the time, my girlfriend Tammy, about how I just feel like a decade behind everybody else because I didn't I didn't start experimenting and with like life and sexuality until I was divorced in twenty eight. So that's like a full mm. decade behind when people are like you know eighteen going to college and living it up. And so absolutely. So um so so to I look up to you. You made it to twenty eight. Yeah. Like fully involved, fully yeah. immersed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I know we're about to take a, a turn in things, but in, in some respects, you're kind of like my role model when you were 28. Because I, I tried to do that. Yeah. I gave I couldn't do it. I gave yeah. up. So, no. So, so this is a, this is a real long story that I'll condense as best I can. Um, we got time. Yeah. Take your time. I, um, so I grew up in a, I grew up in Southern Michigan in a very conservative, uh, very kind of evangelical world. I, uh, you know, got saved, had a whole salvation experience, 
I, I want to say probably like fifth grade-ish was when it was. My uncle's a pastor, so I started going to his church. And uh, there, he's a very, uh, very, Seth, very, 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 like, fire brimstone Southern Baptist style. Like, very much like um, there isn't a whole lot of love in his theology. It's very, mm. uh, very uh, condemnation, judgment, like, like all that stuff. And so my mother didn't like that. So they pulled us out of that church, and we went to a United Methodist church, which had very different theology. And it was much more about loving and accepting and all that. And when I was there, I found this... Uh, I found this love and acceptance. I mean, I, I, it was, you know, what they talked about was there. And I even, I have uh, very few negative memories of my childhood and, and, and teenage church experience. I, I look back on those with, with as much fondness as one can look back on that. Um, I loved our church. I loved the people I met there. It was a community. It was a family. I felt loved. I felt accepted. It was, it was, it was great. Like I, I just had, gr- I have so many great memories from that experience. And so when I was there, we had the opportunity to speak. We would have opportunities to, uh, you know, kind of get up. The, the youth group would always lead the sunrise service and all that. So I love talking in front of people. So I would always volunteer to whatever, you know, what, what do you need? So you need somebody to read something? I'm on it. And so, uh, so at that point, one of our pastors said, you know, I really think that you know, God might, God might be calling, you have a gift. I think God might be calling you to ministry. And so we went to, I went to a, a church retreat. I don't know. It's somewhere in high school. And, uh, you know, God called me at that time to full-time ministry. And, and so then that, that led into what type of ministry do you want to do? And, and how do you want to make that work and stuff? And so, um, what happened then was I was just kind of like, okay, where do I go to, where do I go to school? So I found a, I found a college, went to college, uh, and that's where I found kind of the the Pentecostal gifts of the Spirit kind of, that's where I started down the road to Foursquare, basically. And um, uh, so that was where I, I discovered this type of Christianity that wasn't so dry. It was uh, It was very much experiential. So you know, God, the Holy Spirit is real, and there are gifts of the Holy Spirit and tongues, and you know, you're you're part of this epic battle where you're fighting Satan, and Satan is fighting you. And even though God is eternally strong for whatever reason, Satan is stronger in some situations. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, all these kinds of things that that at the time I didn't question it because it was like, well, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it makes sense, you know. And and it was, I I wanted to believe. It wasn't like I. I didn't go to to school to stop believing. I went to school to to be to be what God had called me to be. So uh, sure. that was when I had my my demon cast out experience, which was really exciting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the demon of lust or not. Um, uh, he and I, I are, Seth is. He, he and I are intimately familiar with one another. Um, and so he inhabited me for a long time and then was cast out in college and has recently returned with a vengeance. Oh. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad he's back. Um, because oh. let me tell you, when you just lay back and take it, it's so much better than when you try to fight it. So, uh, so- <laughs> I, I was about to disagree with you until you said that. <laughs> so this demon of lust that got cast out of you in college yes so so then you spent the rest of your time in college just not lusting at all so, so it, it was just gone right so so omar <laughs> omar no and here's the thing although the demon of lust was cast out my penis and testicles remained and those <laughs> those three so, things have got a lot of power over 
Once <laughs> delivered, once. always delivered. Because when I hear <laughs> casting out the demon of lust, I'm I'm thinking. Like you do that into a tissue box, correct? And, 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 and then, like, it comes back, like, you know, six hours later, ready to go again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, depending on your refractory period, it could be, it could be less than six hours. I mean, it could be, that it could correct. be as, it could be as little as 20 minutes. I mean, it just, you never, you know, it's got, it just depends on the circumstance. It's a very persistent demon. It's like always, always working, never stopping. So. <laughs> Take a break, dude. Take a break. <laughs> oh man. So I've never thought about the demon of lust being cast out in a tissue until right now and I can't I cannot wait to use that in some other really awkward <laughs> circumstance just to see what people do with that. Um <laughs> Sorry, I'll I'm going to pull it back together. Um, Kleenex has been making money on that demon for years. Oh my gosh, no joke. I think no they conjured joke. it. And I think, <laughs> like, I, you know, side note, I think that, you know, the Kleenex that had lotion, you know, they, they added mm, lotion to the Kleenex. Definitely. I really yeah. think that was not for people's noses. That was like that some, was step up. Some, some guy was probably like, it's a little rough, you know, when you're cleaning up <laughs> and uh, it's really sensitive at that time. So you, we need to make it less, you know, less intense. Some guy on the board is like, uh, let's just be honest here. We know what our tissues are being used for. Let's let's mark it. Mix to the that. lotion with the tissue. It's gonna be mixed <laughs> anyway. So there it is. There it is. So... <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what, though. All joking aside, what's really interesting about that situation is I felt free of that demon for I don't know, maybe about seventy-two hours, and then yeah. um, and then uh, and then it just it was back, and and uh, and so and it came with guilt and shame and everything. Exactly. You Absolutely. You were free yeah. And you can't yeah. make your mind. What's wrong yeah. with me? Yeah. Yes. What did I? What did I do wrong? Right. Yeah. Because Did you it's reach never out to your accountability buddy. Um, oh, of course. I mean, so so in the so in the school I went to, we I lived in a house with. Um, so I lived in the same house with seven guys, and we were we, we were really close. Like we we even today, like some of us still speak. Others, family, my atheism and their Christianity doesn't really mix anymore. Um, sure. But uh, but a couple there's a couple guys that I lived with that I went to college with that we still like we still talk to each other. Um, once a missionary for the Free Methodist Church and still like he listens to the show every now and then and like he's going to be up here in June and we still talk and we get together and stuff and, and he's great. Um, he's for whatever reason been able to see like past that and still see that like I'm still me but just with a different worldview um, uh, but I'm still the same person that I was and so uh, but we had like we had like firewalls where if you were to like try to look up porn on your computer you would get flagged and eventually your resident director would like, if you got flagged enough, your RD would call you and be like, so I see that you, like you get locked out. Like your, your screen would be green, then it would be yellow, then it'd be red. And if you waited enough days, then you could like try to get back at it again. Uh, but I had the accountability software where it would like track what you looked at and then send it to your friend. Like you guys are nodding. You're nodding. You know what, it, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Is that that you, oh, my I'm cousin with, still has it and doesn't I'm, know it. I'm with my people. I'm with I'm with <laughs> and, my and you people. Had, and right you had now. to like pick like a couple different accountabilities. So it wasn't just mm -hmm. like one person. And so I lived in a pretty much a dorm style thing when I went through my Assemblies of God Master's Commission is what I went through. And so we had that whole, you know, accountability, the whole, you know, bro time together. And it's the same thing. It's like I don't believe the same thing as those guys anymore. We don't hardly talk, but there's still that bond that that kinship that will always remain like staying up late i heard you talking about it on your podcast about like just arguing to like four o'clock in the morning about theological things that you don't even really believe anymore but it's just something that just 
there's a kinship and a brotherhood that's just now, always going to be there. Do you miss that? Or let me ask you this: since you and I don't know exactly like how your you know how your like, beliefs have changed, but do you miss that? kinship and that like male connectivity that you had in the church that just seems so hard to find outside of it? Yes. And not anymore, not since fade to gray. And these guys we met through like some locker room, the, the app, um, Marco Polo, some FaceTime stuff. And we've had a lot of just that bro time, a lot of that, um, arguments, a lot of discussion. That's kind of how this whole formed by having different opinions and, and wanting to go deep. And at the end of the day, like loving each other more because of it. Right. You know, because right, right, we right. There. And so Seth, you suck, you suck your hand. Like you, you seem yeah. to respond to that. I'm curious to hear your take on that. That's the one thing I miss so much about the church. Like that's, that is what drives me back to it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that sense of community, like the brotherhood, that was in there, like with the accountability. And I had so many Bible studies over masturbation. I can't even tell you, but like th- there in doing that at such a young age and having those discussions, it required a vulnerability of you that created this connection that I didn't experience in everyday life and miss because there was something, I don't know. There was something. No, there. I to- I totally get that. Like it's it's so funny that you you mentioned that because one of the things that I would say I'd say there's not a lot of things I miss about, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but but it's an appropriate time to mention it. I, there's a lot of things I, m- I I don't miss about the church. Like I don't miss the fact that like I'm a lot less ashamed about my orgasms now than I used to be before, and and Absolutely. and, and I, the, the the shame is almost all gone. There's still a little bit there, but but it's almost all gone, and. And but the one thing I miss the most is not the community; it's the the male community. Like there, there is an element of of like male connection that Uh-oh. that is not that is not part of, for lack of a better term, the rest of the world. Like 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 guys guys in general outside of the church are like. Uh, well, I would say inside the church they're also homophobic, but I would say I would say guys in general, like outside of the church, see male connectivity as something like that is that is gay that should be avoided, and it's not yeah. like it's not at all. Like there's there's right. like there, there's nothing that should be avoided about men getting together and and connecting on a level that is beyond like that's a good beer, bro. You know, and and so <laughs> so like, but that's one thing that I would say that if you were to ask me, like the thing I miss the most about church, it is that I miss being able to sit with a bunch of guys and and having that like male affection that is just like a good, healthy male affection, and not uh, and and nothing beyond that. Anyway, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was in Alaska, um, you know, for that, so there was that male to the extreme. You know, it's like. Every day we're shoveling snow or stuck in the fire pit or, you know, skinning a moose. And so it's one of those skinning things. Skinning a like, moose. It was bro time. <laughs> is that what they're the calling extreme. it these days? What's that? Skinning a moose. Is that what they're calling it these days? Skinning a was moose. That a, was, was that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> no. <we laughs> definitely skinned a moose or two in Alaska. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll bet you did. I mean, oh, just, just a bunch of guys up there in the woods together. Alaska, where the guys are it's guys like broke and the women back are too. Yeah. <laughs> so, Omar, but extremely homophobic in the community we're in, though, too. So, oh, I don't doubt that. I mean, does this all fall under like discipleship, like some type of discipleship category? Because that was for me, I, I don't know. 
that's what I, that's how I got connected was through discipleship groups and that accountability. And it was always like I was working towards something that was bigger than me. I didn't know what was going to happen, but something was going to happen. And it, that hope tied with that bond made it such a, I don't know, it's yeah. imprinted in my brain. For I think for me, it was more, for me, it was more, I just had friends that I had, that I knew better than just like, uh, like what you do for a living, you know, because like, like, like in in the circles I'm in now, and the guys I know now, uh, with the exception of a few that I'm still friends with, like we know what each other does for a living, like we talk about work and shit like that. But there's not that like, uh, you know, when you're when you're in the church, there, it's okay for guys to be vulnerable with each other. It's okay to say like I'm feeling X, Y, and Z, and I'm uncomfortable with that feeling, and I just need like to tell a guy that so that I'm not telling a girl about it. Um, you know, at least for me, it was, I need to tell a guy this so I don't tell a girl about it so that I'm not trying to like, just be open and emotional so I can get laid or whatever. Like it was, it was just like, no, I'm telling you this because like, you're my friend and I connect with you and I love you. And I know that this is like a safe male space that maybe a a person of a different gender wouldn't be able to connect with on a different level. But Luke, do you think that's kind of strange in itself though, that the teaching that we need to connect to guys in that way that we can't connect to women in that way. Like, I mean, I'm listening to this. Good question. I'm not completely disagreeing. Right. But at the same time, I want to challenge that thought because I mean, that's kind of the, some of the indoctrination that I had to go through, through the purity culture. Right. Or I can't, I can't talk to women about this because all they're going to be doing is thinking about having my baby and just that and the other and really belittling like women in a huge way that they can't have these type of conversations that they're not going to be able to understand on some sort of level. I mean, like I do agree that no, I good good for guys to have their own space. Women have their own space, but the intermingling that I, I think you need some like it's just as important. I get that. I totally get that. And I, oh, Chris, go ahead, Chris. You, I, I just think you're probably talking about within the confines of the church, like that camaraderie that you get with the guys that you you know uh, you do have those. Uh, what do they call them? Like Matthew five twenty eight packs with, which is like um, if no one knows what that verse is, like you know you, you're not supposed to look at a woman lustfully, or you've already committed adultery or whatever. So you go through your day you know, thinking about these things because you have a common goal. It's almost like communism. It's like you're working together for a common goal, which is the better good. Sure. (laughs) It's the better good. It's to not sin. It's to, it's to, to reach perfection. And you're going through this with a group of guys and it does bring you, it's very unique in that it brings you close in a way that you're not going to find uh, with, you know, non-believers, uh, unless you guys find another common goal or whatever, which, which is, you know, kind of like you were saying earlier, Omar, what I feel is happening with our community at fade to gray in our, um, in our Marco Polo groups and stuff, we're having these conversations, which are really deep and they're, you know, in my opinion, very important, even though I don't, uh, subscribe to the religion anymore. And I don't, believe in those things anymore. It still helps me figure out my shit, um, which is I have all this religious trauma that's built up over years and years that I'm trying to unpack and figure out. And these conversations are helping me towards that goal, which at this point in time, um, my goal is not to be holy as God is holy. It's to become myself um, and to find out who I am. And I think that that, that, that definitely sure. And I think that that common goal is what is causing us to fill that community again. Um, but there's nothing like uh, 
there's nothing like being in that community of Christians trying to, you know, and who knows, maybe there is, maybe it's the same thing with the, with Muslims who are, um, you know, willing to die together for, for, for Allah or whatever. And of course we can't say the word Muhammad. I'll have to bleep it out. Like I did on last week's episode. Um, thank you for laughing. Um, but, but you get my point. Yeah. You should have done. a Muhammad drawing contest at the Super Bowl. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I hear I totally hear what you guys are saying, and I I think on one ele- on one level there is an element of discipleship, but for me the other element was I have always been and was always uncomfortable in the world of men. So I grew up I grew up amidst you know these trees of men like my brother six five two eighty or no two twenty I made him fatter than he is like two like two twenty <laughs> my uncle is like six four my other cousin is six four my 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 one of my cousins is a little bit shorter than me but was always like super muscular like he was born with a six pack and then and then like then there's me and I was always this tall like I was tall thin. I weighed 130 pounds. I was I was as tall as I am now, which is like six two, but I was 130 pounds in high school. So like that's 50 pounds lighter than I am now. And so I was that guy in gym class that couldn't lift, like could barely lift the bar on the bench press. And so I always felt uncomfortable being in the world of men. And it was easier for me to be in the world of women because I've always been more of an emotional person. And, and, and again, I'm, you know, for anybody that's listening, that's offended about me using like gender roles, forgive me, please hear what I'm saying. Don't be, you know, nah. uh, cause it's just like, <laughs> like it, 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 there's just <clears throat> anyway. So, so I've always felt more comfortable there. And so, so I found acceptance in the world of men in the church because it, it, the world of men in the church is a little bit, it, it is a more, it is a typically a little more feminine world, even if you are a man. And so, so I found some acceptance there. And then I think leaving the church and leaving my faith and then being totally on this kind of atheist realm is a little different than, than being, you know, and so I I miss that acceptance and feeling like, okay, I belong in the world of men because now I'm kind of back in that, I'm in the yoga space. And so there's some men that are in the yoga space. Um, But in general, like I do miss that. What's feeling the yoga like, space? I'm sorry, that went right oh, over yeah. my head. Oh yeah, sorry, no, no, no. So I, so I, I practice Downward yoga. Dog. So I'm, so I'm a, um, I'm a yoga teacher. So, so I'm in. I'm part oh, of that. Cool. I'm part of that world. Um, I'm part of the, 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 uh, the yoga world, and I, so I teach yoga. Um, I have like, I don't know, like nine classes a week, and so there's some men that that practice yoga, but it's predominantly, a, a, you know, it's a far more you know, feminine space than a masculine space. Don't in, tell Joe Rogan in, that. In, in, in some sense, and so <laughs> I mean, it is like you know, I. Over set, like over eighty percent of yoga practitioners in America are women, and so, so yeah. it's it's just that's it's statistics. Like you know, that's not saying if you're a dude, you're a woman who practice. You know, you're not. You, but it's just it's no. Just I mean, it's you're a, making sense. I mean, yeah, especially so, the, the church is built for women anyway. Honestly, if we look well, at the, the fake flowers everywhere, the the temperature of they even <laughs> set the place. It's, it's everything catered, you know, to get women in the door. Yeah. So I would. Church. So I would say that I would say that I do miss. I miss the. It's not so much that I miss the. Um, yeah, I, I just miss the, the that kind of feeling accepted into like the a masculine space because it's it's um uh, it's harder to find acceptance in a masculine space in a secular environment. It's it's different. It's 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 just different. And and so that's a uh, like I can relate to Seth finding that like wanting to stay in the religious space because of the friendships and because of the community and because of that, that male connection, because it is, there isn't as much in, 
in the secular space, um, it's or, or I would say it's harder to find at least. And so, um, yeah, man, I don't know how in the hell we got here, but or coupled with a sense of also <laughs> the greater good. I mean, because yeah. it's not ju- it's not just these guys who are bonding together, you know, but it's like, we're doing it because for the greater good, we're trying right. to better ourselves as like a, a pact. And so it's like, it makes, it makes complete sense. And like I said, I've spent nine years in Alaska for a lot of the similar things. I was raised by like my mom and my grandmother didn't have her slow down a little bit. Didn't have a relationship <laughs> with my father at all. So, um, that was the whole package that was being sold to me, you know, to come out to Alaska, like, you know, learn to be a man with the brotherhood, that type of thing. Like, and, and that was a big selling point for a lot of the students or the disciples, Seth, that came through the program. So, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was, I have a lot of daddy issues. My dad wasn't around. I was a mama's boy. And I, there was a, a family aspect of the church that was very appealing to me. And that's why I got stuck in there. And I, I wasn't raised in church at all. I was, you know, 15 whenever I first started going and got, you know, just fell head head first into it and got really deep into it and got into ministry and stuff. Um, but there's definitely things about the church that are appealing, but I would say that they're more damaging than they are good for you actually um, at this point in life. And of course, I think Seth would disagree with me on that. But uh, for my personal story, I would say, man, I kind of wish that those things hadn't happened. I would, I I would agree with that. Like I, looking back on, so I, I struggled to say like, well, there was more bad than good because like, well, everything I went through, I got me to where I am today, and I'm rather happy with where I am today. But I also sure. wonder how much further along I could be if I was able to be who I am now when I was 16, or if I was if I was really allowed to explore where I am now um, than I was when I was 16. And and so, or I I would love to explore who I am because I've always been this person. I just haven't been able to. Be, be this yourself. person because right. th- because all the things I wanted to do were bad, sinful, and dirty, and you're not supposed to. You do have to that. die to yourself every yeah. day. Yeah, and and so so I think that I think that um, on the one hand I'm very grateful for a lot of the experience I've had. On the other hand, I look back and think, man, if only I'd been in a family that encouraged me to, you know, do to be who I am as opposed to, um, kind of what the situation I was in. So, um, yeah. Do you have any pushback on that, Seth? Well, I want to provide a caveat. You know, I was talking about the church. But, you Why are you always looking for holes? Oh, that's what I do. Because <laughs> I need to be filled. Don't you know me? <laughs> the church for so long for me was such a safe haven. And then it then it wasn't. And so I I talk about the church being positive in some of these regards. But remember, I've not been to church frequently in probably five to six years. So I am not currently, I'm considering it. I just posted on Facebook the other day that I want to go back to church and start reading the Bible and start quiet times and do all that jazz again. Um, I'm considering it, but I'm not actually involved. So don't let me trick you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love the sense of community and I feel like that's something that can be recreated and you know the church doesn't own that and even some of the things you're talking about with the male camaraderie and having that sense of bond and the sense of realness it's not something that like is patented and owned by right the church so well one of the one of the cool things about being in the secular space now is it has forced me to go into different areas that i would not have gone into 
because it wasn't comfortable. Uh, but it had, but but I, if I'm looking for some kind of camaraderie, I have to then enter into a space that I didn't used to be comfortable entering into, in order to find that. Um, and it puts me in a position where I'm able to then find out new things and explore mm-hmm. new things. Be like, oh, I am good at this, or I am good at that, or oh, I can do this. And so, so it's been. I mean, I I, I would say that although I lament losing it. On some level, I'm also glad that I've then now been forced to find it in different avenues, and yeah. and that's been a really pleasant experience. That comfortable yeah. thing will kill you, man. It's it will. The com- it's the worst thing in the world. You know, it's just that safe and comfortable feeling. So you were basically super Christian in college with your friends, and you were uh, delivered from the spirit of lasciviousness and and lust and all this good <laughs> stuff. Just, what was that? And- word? What was that word? <laughs> There's a couple ones you could use, I suppose. But anyhow, um, so they've cast these demons out of you. 72 hours later, it comes back. Let's pick it up where we left off of your story. Right, so so uh, let's – so yeah. And I didn't really think much about it at that point. Like I, I just was like, all right, well, you know, I now I know it's just I, – I didn't think that the demon was back really. I thought that I was just – now I was dealing with my physical now, – now it was me fighting the body, which is, what, which, is what, which is what Christianity is. It's your spirit fighting your body. Um, and, uh, and so, so then, uh, basically I graduated, moved to California to do my seminary. And when I, right when I moved to California, I met a girl and we hit it off really well. And so, uh, I hadn't had sex up until this point. So when you meet a woman who is attractive and finds you attractive and you're a Christian and you want to have sex and you're a virgin, you marry her. You marry her. And so that's yeah, what I did. That's what I did. So I, I got yeah. married at 22 and our marriage was good for the first year. And then started a slow decline. I would say that there was nothing wrong with her. There was, we were just incompatible. So it wasn't like, I didn't know myself. Like I didn't know what I, who I was, what I was looking for. My frontal lobe was still developing. Like I, I I had no idea like who I was, what I wanted. All I knew was love Jesus, love me, be hot. Like those were my, like those were my, (laughs) those were my three standards. Love Jesus, love me, be hot. Like that was it. And that's crazy. But that but you're crazy. but but that's all I was told. Like that's what you're supposed to look for. Like God will lead you, and then but really no, it's the dick. The dick is leading you at that point. <laughs> and and so I like man, if you want to get married to somebody, like have sex with them first, and then have sex with them again. And like they call it the refractory period. I call it the moment of clarity. Like when you have an when you have an <laughs> orgasm for about five minutes, you're able to sit back and go, do I like this person or do I just want to do them? And then and then at that point you'll know like okay maybe I shouldn't marry this person uh, but I did and so so thankfully there were no children ultimately through my seminary studies I I started to discover myself and I started to learn about the ways that we deceive ourselves I learned about how I saw myself as a child in an adult world even though I was you know in my mid twenties and like ever the world saw me as a grown up but in my brain I saw myself as a sixteen year old. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately I got to a point where, so I started going to, to therapy cause I was like, well, our marriage is shit. I'm at least half the problem, if not more. And I should probably figure out what my deal is. So I started going to therapy and, uh, and that, and I started to learn my, my therapist was amazing. He was a Christian guy, but supported my divorce, supported everything that I was doing. Mm. And he, that seems pretty uncommon, it, incredibly um, uncommon. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he was so open to exploring all kinds of things and he helped me explore um 
you know, the way I view myself within the world and how I think everyone is looking, how I thought everyone was looking at me, judging me when nobody gave a shit about me because they're worried about their own lives. But I grew up in a family where they think everybody's looking at them and everybody's judging everybody. And so, so long story short, I got to a point where I realized like I am incredibly unhappy in this marriage. It's not going to go any further. And I have two options. Option A is I could stay in the marriage. And, well, actually, I had several options. I, I could cheat. That was a great option. You know, that was an option. You could just cheat on her and see how long that goes. Uh, you could, I could, uh, you know, end it and take the risk of maybe I won't find someone, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll find somebody that's more compatible with me. Or I could stay in it and be that guy who I could stay in it and just like put those things, those needs that I had, I could just bury them and just try to deal. Or I could stay in it and be that 80-year-old miserable guy who, when the grandkids look at him, they go, well, Grandpa was miserable, but he sure was faithful. And um, I didn't want to be any of those. So I decided that it was best to leave. And that set off a shitstorm. Sure. Because I was a pastor at church at the time, and my pastor said and did things I was an associate. I wasn't the senior pastor. So my my pastor did and s- said and did things that were just like mind boggling. Um, and I'll never forget when I told him I was getting divorced. He we were at Starbucks. He stood up and he said, "Well, it's exactly what I thought." Actually, no, he said the sitting down. He said, "Exactly what I thought. You're smug, prideful, self deceived, and it's tragic." And he got up, gave me a hug, and walked out the door. That was the last I ever said. That was wow. the, those are the last words I ever heard from him. He then wrote a seven wow. page sermon that included my name and and talked about how I was deceived, how I if I would repent then I could be restored. Yeah. Set, did you set the sermon to... like like an actual like he actually preached this? He well, so he sent it to me and said this is what I'll be saying on Sunday. I wanted you to see it. Now, uh one of our other associate pastors walked into his office and said if you say this it's going to be a huge mistake and you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And he chose not to read it to the church, but the damage was already done to me because I had already sure. read it. So well, it's manipulative. And yeah. So so I um so he took it upon himself to inform because I was in the Navy as a chaplain candidate at the time. So he took it upon himself to inform. Uh, he canceled my my license immediately. He called my endorser, uh, the person who interfaces with me in the Navy. He called him and immediately told him what was going on, and. The guy who was endorsing me to the Navy, his name was Dan, and he called me, and I'll never forget, he called and he said, we'll talk about that other stuff later, but how are you doing? And it was the first person in the church that cared about my feelings as opposed to my, quote, sin. And mm. and uh, and that was really, like, that was a really big moment for me in talking to him. And so ultimately, you know, life really changed at that point, and I didn't... I didn't want to leave God or leave the church at that point. Like, I wanted to find another church. I visited other churches. I reached out to pastors. But the challenge for me in telling my story was that when I would tell other pastors and other religious folks what had happened, they would say things like, our church would never do that. And Mm. I remember saying the very same words to hurt people that came to my church. I would say, well, our church would never do that. And the reality is that every church will do that to you because the church wants you to deal with your shit and then come in and they can hose you off. But what they don't want you to do is come in hosed off. They will not walk you, watch through your shit, walk through your shit, 
They will not watch you come out of your shit, and then they won't hose you off however you come out. They, you have to, once you're part of the institution, then you have to do what, the, the, you have to follow the rules of the institution. And if you don't, you will leave, you, you get kicked out. And that's fine as long as you believe you're part of an institution. But I believed I was part of a family. Mm-hmm. And right. I wasn't. Very I was, well put. I was part of an institution. And it's yeah. just, or a corporation. And so when you are a part of a corporation, if you don't follow their bylaws, you get kicked out. And that's the church. It's a corporation. It's not a family. Come on. Because when you're part when you're part of a family, you go when you're part of a family, you go, I see you. I see what you're going through. And in my view, if you're a family, I love you no matter what. But that's not the church. And so when I start And it's certainly not the way you were treated by no, your pastor. Fuck no. I mean that's that says a lot. So so Some I started churches. I was I was living with a family at the time. I was sleeping on their couch. It was it was a zoo. Um, they had three dogs, two kids, an an eighty year old father in law, and me in the house. <laughs> like, it was crazy. <laughs> and so so uh, so I uh, uh, I was sleeping on their couch, and they were part of the church, and they were super supportive of me, and and like they helped pay for me to go back to visit my family for a week and a half. Like they they like walked with me through it. Like they did everything the church was supposed to do. In that process, I met a, a, a woman who invited me to go to a hot yoga class, and I thought, well, you're cute. I want to see you in yoga pants. Why not? And um, and I went and I found this amazing like I found uh, through in that you know my life was insane and so when I went to my first yoga class the last ten minutes or last five minutes you just lay there and I found this I found the peace that I was supposed to find in the church and I was like well this is amazing and so I kept going and then I started getting good at it and I started finding confidence and I started like feeling strong because I could do certain things that I'd never been able to do before and so I started teaching it and in the process of teaching it. You learn about, you know, yoga philosophy and some of those things involved. Like, and I, my, my faith was starting, I wasn't, I was a Christian still. I was still looking for God, but I wasn't going to church. And so I started like, I was like, oh, well, this is an interesting philosophy. So you start learning about chakras and all that stuff. And I started doubting my faith. And if there's one thing that can pull you out of Christianity, it's that goddamn yoga. See, right, exactly. You are exactly yep. like the poster child for like every pastor right now. Like, yep, see, I know. I told you not to do yoga. So, so what I will tell you is that I started to look at my faith and I started to think like, okay, because they talk about these chakras, like these are spinning wheels of energy. I'm like, those don't exist. Like they're not real. They're just ways to like describe things. And then, and then I, I started to think about like, God in the same way. And then I started to, all the questions that I had, because I had questions when I was in seminary and when I was in college, but when when your income is dependent on your belief system, you can question all you want, but you have to arrive back at the same point. And so now I didn't have to believe anything because it didn't matter. I was cleaning toilets. Like it doesn't matter what you believe when you're cleaning vomit out of a sink. And, and so, so I, I now was able to go, okay, martyrdom in Christianity is an example of why Christianity is true. Why would people die for something that they don't believe in? 9-11 happened, and those people were willing to die for something that they believed in. So is that true? Because if being willing to die for something is the marker of what is true, then then you then then Islam is true along with Christianity. 
And then on top of that, if 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 does believing something in my heart make it true? Like people are crazy. And so there are some people who like gravity is not true. But if you don't believe gravity is true and you climb up onto a building and you jump off, it doesn't matter what you believe, you will be flat on the pavement. And so so all these things that I kind of would that, that kind of make me tilt my head, I was now able to explore those. And so ultimately, I just stopped. I just stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying. I stopped going to church. Uh, and nothing happened. Nothing bad happened. <laughs> like my life didn't go to shit because it already was there. And I was, you know, a, a religious person. Um, you know, God didn't show up around the corner and be like, ha and like hit me with a, with a lightning bolt. <laughs> like I just, like not only, not only was everything okay, not only did I not, you know, get, get smited or smote or die, like things actually started to get better. And the less I believed, the better life got. And so I was going to say, it's not that it's not that nothing happened. It's that things actually improved in your life. Right. Exactly. And yeah. so I was told my entire Christian life that. Well, if because you don't you're have, not going for Jesus anymore. Now Satan's not attacking you. Ex anymore, so exactly. And so so now <laughs> now that Satan is not attacking me and Jesus apparently doesn't give a fuck because he hasn't shown up since I left. Like, like I've all of a sudden, like all of a sudden this whole new world opened up to me and. And I remember, I remember writing, and I can't find the journal for the life of me. And I'm so pissed about it. But I, I wrote essentially like, I, I like wrote a certificate of divorce from the church and signed it because I needed to, I needed to, to cut it off. Because um, I'm that kind of person that I can't do ambiguous breakups. Like it has to be like, like either we're in it or we're not. Damn it. And if we're not in it, then we're out of it. And so, like, like, boom, there's no ambiguity. So I, like, cut it off. And, um, and that kind of then started me on this whole road to where I am now. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's a real, like, condensed version of how we've arrived here. Lucas, let me ask you a quick question about that story, though. Yeah. Um, that I got hung up on. Because I liked – it all made sense to me except for when you got into the whole – dying for your faith martyrdom thing sure which because i mean that's what christianity banks its whole religion on except right. for the like the resurrection the right. powers in the resurrection so where then as far as christianity's kind of like got the bank well as far as modern religions go have have like the bank on the whole resurrection thing and the forgiveness of sins thing that whole thing is what's supposed to separate christianity from everything else. Right. And sure. And, and so, so I would say, and again, I like, I, so I'm not, I'm not out to disprove anyone. Like I'm, like I said, like I'm not a, an evangelist for atheism. I think that, um, so, so my issues always were, so here were some of my main issues with, as I like looked at Christianity, Christianity has an old book that is the word of God. Islam has an old book that is the word of God. Judaism has an old book that is the first half of the Christian's book that is the Word of God, but the second half of the Christian's book isn't quite the Word of God. The Catholics have a book that is the Word of God, but it has extra books in the middle that the Protestants don't like. The and and then and then there are then there are other faiths that also have the Word of God, and all of those are true to the people who believe them. But if a Christian reads the Quran, it's not the Word of God. If a Protestant reads the Apocrypha, it's not the Word of God. If a Jew reads the New Testament, it's not the Word of God. So how is the Word of God? And then not only that, Christians, for some reason, think that the Jews are good to get into heaven because they have a separate little relationship with God. But then a person who is not Jewish 
can't get into heaven unless they believe in Jesus, even though Jews don't believe in Jesus, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> even though Jesus is supposed to be the key, the Jews have the key, which is a different key than the Christians have. So they're okay with getting in because the Jews have a special key for the little side door to get into heaven, but the Christians don't have that key, so they need Jesus to get that key. And so so it's not it wasn't just martyrdom, but martyrdom is used as an example of People die for what is true. They don't die for a lie. And there are a lot of people who have died, by Christian standards, for a lie, because they're willing to die for their faith. So why is it that they're, they're, they're crazy, but why are you not crazy? Because you believe the same thing. Um, now, in terms of the resurrection, like, yeah, the resurrection sets, the resurrection sets Christianity apart, but just because it's a different story, does that make it true? Because the Muslims have a different story. The, the, the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah. And then and that, we're just talking about the monotheistic religions. Now we've got all these, there's all kinds of other religions that I don't, can't even reference, that they have different stories of redemption. Um, and then even in the Protestant realm, you've got different views of the resurrection. So did Christ die as a victory over sin? Um, was he, uh, was he, uh, a penal substitutionary? I forget the, the term did, you know, was he a substitutional sacrifice? Cause th- there are different ways to view the resurrection even. And so, so how, you know, and so, so for me, it wasn't so much about like, like, and even then the Christ, the, the story of Jesus is in the old book that Christians believe, but the story of Muhammad is in the old book that the Muslims believe. So does that it's just two different two different old books telling different stories. And you can't forget that a lot of those religions were shaped by the culture and the politics of the time, specifically Christianity. Julius Caesar was looked at as being born of a virgin and uh, that he would ascend into heaven one day. Um, and, and of course... Yeah, but he didn't um, resurrect after three days, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was foretold that he would, motherfucker. Well, and I... But, <laughs> but I, I would just like to ask Lucas one thing about this as well, because, you know, you said you've experienced casting out of demons, speaking in tongues with your current view. How do you reconcile those experiences in your head? Great question. That is a great question. Here's where I'm at with it so far. When you listen to people, have you guys ever watched, have you guys watched the documentary going clear about Scientology? Yes. Okay. So, when you when you watch that documentary and you hear these people talk about the things that they believed and the things that they were willing to do for the things that they believed, and now that they're not part of it, they're like, I was fucking crazy. Like, I believed it. Like, I believed all these things. I believed in Thetans. I believed in, like, my own planet. I believed in all these things. And now I'm out of it, and I look back, and I go, holy cow, I was brainwashed, and I can't even imagine that I believed those things. That's how I reconcile with it. Demons, I'll tell you what. I have yet to see a demon now that I don't believe in them. But when you believe in them and you think that they're around, you everything can be a demon. Oh, that's a lustful thought, demon. You know, oh, that's a, you know, I I want to kill that person, demon. You know, like like and so so when you think that demons are there, when you expect that they're going to inhabit you, when you think that if they do inhabit you then they can be cast out, and then you think that they can come back, then of course that thing can happen because your brain is, cr- is a crazy powerful thing. And so, so I look back on it now and I go, you know, I haven't, since I stopped believing in demons, I have, I have no, none have presented themselves. Um, since I stopped believing in, 
in God's will, um, you know, I haven't seen elements of, you know, God imposing his will on me. Uh, and so, so I think that that's how I reconcile those things is that like your brain is powerful. And when you believe something like it's the, uh, the, 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 was that me? Was that ding me? I just heard a ding. I don't know if that was me or, or not. Sorry about that, guys. That was, I heard it too. It. I'm not sure I what it was. It. it was probably a demon. It, it was a, it, See, talking, about, t- t- talking about demons. <laughs> demon possession. I'm uh, right here, motherfuckers. Uh, so, so, um, so anyway, um, I think that uh, that's kind of how I, that's where, that's how I reconcile it is that um, it's just like um, uh, placebo effect. Like, like you can give somebody a sugar pill and tell them it's Vicodin and they will feel better. Because they believe that it's a drug that will take their pain away, and well, people have been cured of cancer that yeah. way. Yeah, and so yeah. if yeah. if your brain it's can do that with a, if you can do if your brain can do that with a sugar pill, and that it's that it's actually like that's a, it's a real thing. Like your your body, you really feel like better. And so if your brain can do that with a sugar pill, how much more can it do that with the creator of the universe? Sure. That's true. I I 100% agree with you. And I feel the same way about all of my experiences. And that's, that's how I reconcile them in my head too. Um, because I, I have to figure it out somehow because some of those experiences felt so real at the time. Um, and looking back, I would say, well, where has Jesus been then since, since those times, you know, where, where has, uh, the Holy spirit been like what, yeah, but that's, you have to reconcile it. Also why I'm not about trying to make people stop believing. Exactly. Because who? Because who am I? Who am I to go and say, "Yeah, your Viking is a sugar pill, asshole," and then to leave you, and then <laughs> and then to leave you in a state of pain? Like, who the yeah. fuck am I to go around? You're the older cousin that goes and tells who, the the little right. nephew or whatever no Santa that Claus. Santa Claus isn't right. real. Who, yeah, <laughs> who who am I to go around and take away your social your social structure, your 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 mental health regimen, your community? Yeah. Like, who am I to do that? Why why am I going to go out and do something like that to someone? Like that? What 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 am I offering? Come on over here we're right you know like what what is what is that and so that's why i'm not you about... may save people from a traumatic experience though you might you know you may help people not be in may, that but you could also situation. cause it just as well that's the whole thing and that's exactly where i think faith is a really like, that i agree with you lucas faith is an amazing thing no matter like because what you believe it's so powerful it can get you out of like some really dark areas it doesn't have to be christianity whatever it is you're believing in that can get you out of that the depression that 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 tough spot you're going through like who are we to say that shit's bullshit if it's helping you get to the next day and to get there, to that moment so there are people who find jesus and their life gets so much better because they stop drinking they you know they they not that drinking's bad i mean i'm drinking right now and i love it but there are some people that that's really <laughs> detrimental to and so so who am i to that's why i don't go out and try to deconvert people like if you want to talk to me about what I believe, I'm more than happy to tell you about it. But I'm not, and that to me is what irritates me in the religious realm is that they have a charge to go convert people. So where, why oh yeah. you called your atheist pastor then as a podcast? Great question. So number one, it is an incredibly provocative and interesting title. It is. So yes. so when you see it your atheist, right off. <laughs> when you see yeah. when you see <laughs> when I you it, I I was very much turned off. When you see he was triggered. Yeah, when you see your atheist pastor, it makes you go, "Huh? What's that all about?" So, so that's that's one reason. Um another reason that it's called your atheist pastor was because Luke's show about atheism doesn't sound that exciting. Um the the <laughs> Lucas King show also not exciting. 
Um, and so, so I thought that your atheist pastor would be a good, a, a good. The message I'm trying to communicate there is that I am not your atheist pastor. I see it as more like a, uh, like a symbol or like a like an idea. In that, when I left the faith, I found so many books and so many things to tell me why I shouldn't believe, why Christianity is bad, why faith is bad, why why you're stupid if you believe. You know, you, you, there's all kinds of books to tell you, to, to, to deconstruct your faith and to tell you how. I didn't find any books to say, here's how to reconstruct your life. After everything you've believed in the last 28 years, is, you, you feel like is bad. And so I started the show as a journey of, I am on this journey to put my life back together after realizing that the things that I've believed in some cases were harmful, in some cases prevented me from really being who I feel like I truly am, in some cases were were really like, um, in some cases were really like uh, just not like not good, and so so I started as like please you walk with me through this, and if you like it, cool, and if not, like. Don't listen, you know, like you don't have to, you don't have to listen if you don't like it. And, and so, so it's not for everybody, but it's, it's that I don't see myself as like the atheist pastor or whatever, but I see it as like, I'm living my life. And if you want to watch it and you want to walk on this journey with me, great, because maybe you'll hear something and go, I don't like that. I'm going to do my life differently, but it gives you a starting point. Cause I didn't even have a starting point of like, how to rebuild this. So if somebody's listening to me and they're like, oh, that guy, you know, he's swinging. I don't like that. Then they'll at least have something to be like, there's a, there's a, there's a, a scent, there's something that you can look at and go, okay, I don't like that. Here's why I'm going to go do this. And so, so I think that's why ultimately I, I put that name. The other reason is that I like, I loved being a pastor. Like it was fun. Like I, you live your life with people. You're you're there in their times of need. You celebrate their triumphs. You you mourn their losses. You walk with them. You're present. You you are you're 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 next to them. You don't take on their stuff, but you're next to them as they deal with it. And I liked that, and still wanted to do that. And so I did it this way. <laughs> well, it's a very good podcast, and I mean, you got a decent following. You're on like what? 3,000 something episodes now. <laughs> well, yeah, we're like a hundred, like a hundred and like 115 or 110, something like that. No, um, but, but sorry, yeah, sorry I'm, to, sorry to trigger you, Seth, for the, with the, with the name. It's very oh. prov- provocative. So it just brought up, I immediately thought of scripture and I don't know the scripture offhand. It just reminded me of a scripture that talked about that in the end times, people will come and they will, you know, <laughs> preach a false gospel. Are you calling me the Antichrist right now, Seth? Is that no, what you're? Is that what you're... <laughs> I'm not calling you the Antichrist because you can, saying... and I'll take it as a compliment. I mean, <laughs> it brings about that. I was like, oh, so he's like evangelizing people to to leave the faith. Well, he says it right in the show notes that he's not evangelizing. Oh, I know. It, so. Well, I do you think I read? I I read. I look at the title and I make a judgment. Right, right. And then, right. And then, he, he, he listens to CNN. Come on, Chris. Do you think he's just? <laughs> I think you're right. MSNBC. So, he doesn't. Yeah. So he doesn't go so deeper. That, so that's. I think that's that's ultimately where the name comes from. And I honestly contemplated changing the name um, when I started the second season. Don't. But, don't. No. 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 I'm not it. going to. No. 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 Good. No. No. I'm, I, we're firm. We're firmly there. I mean, it's it's 
and it's not good. You know, we're we. I mean, in terms of the audience size and the folks that follow it, like we're we're not we're too big to change it. So why change it? Um, yeah. But I think that it's you know, and the show's evolved over the course of two years. It's a lot better now than it was before. And uh, you know, well, that was different. that was my question, Luke. That's where it was evolving to. So as you've grown and you're gotten yeah. bigger, like, yeah. do you lay awake at night sometimes just thinking like, what am I doing? Am I am I pulling people? Because I listen to your show. I think you're doing yeah. really good things, I mean, and the editing's very, it's good very stuff, good quality. Man. I mean, put a lot of work into it, like like your segments. Um, oh, Tammy, thanks, your, guys. Your show producer and partner. We'll get into that in a second. Mm. Is that who you who you like to go to the playground and go swinging with? I'm not sure. Yes, yes, sir. I like the I like the merry-go-round <laughs> personally, but we'll, yes. we'll get into that. <laughs> so, but, so uh, does that like does that torment you at all? Is, is there like no. some sort of okay? You're, nope. you're over no, that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it, it doesn't. And here's the thing. Um, if you if you find the show and you listen to the first 10 minutes, you you I'm I it's very clear in the description and the way we approach the show what you're getting. And mm-hmm. so if you listen to the show and you are a Christian and I lead you astray, you have been doubting before. Yeah, your faith is now, not very What strong. I'm really happy about is that if you leave your faith, I have something to offer you. So what I didn't have when I first started is I didn't have anything to offer somebody who was leaving their faith. If somebody watched, if somebody listened to me and said, wow, I just left my faith, what do I do? I'd be like, fuck, I don't know. But now, now I have something to offer you. Now I have a, we have a community of people uh, where you can go and people will support you in your deconversion. In our private Facebook group, we have people who still believe in God, who post all the time. And they ask their questions. And the folks that are part of the group, the atheists who are part of the group, support them in their path, whether it's believing in a God, whether it's deism, whether it's, you know, whatever. We just don't let, like, hardcore evangelicals in. Like, and if I see you posting your evangelical shit, I will bounce you out of there faster than you can possibly imagine. But we have folks who run, you know, the deconversion gamut. We have folks who believe in some kind of New Age spirituality. But what I didn't have at the beginning is I didn't have anything to offer anybody. And now I do. So if you find my show and you keep listening, if you're an evangelical, you will turn that shit off in about two seconds. <laughs> but it, but if you keep listening, you already have belief. So I don't feel bad about where you end up because that's on you on where you end up. That's not on me. Like, that's just like, you right. know, does, does, you know, does Rush Limbaugh lay away? I don't know where everybody's political views are. So I'm just going to use Rush as an example. <laughs> Let me use Alex Jones as an example. Does Alex Jones lay awake at night wondering if he's leading people astray? No, he counts as money. Super and so, like, brain so, so, like, so for me, like, like it's where you end up on something is on you, not on me. And so, so it's your choice on what you listen to and what you let into your life. And I, I'm big into personal responsibility. So if you don't like what I listen to, then don't listen what I say, then don't listen to it. Um, and if you do, you know, and, and so, and I have different, you know, levels on if somebody critiques me on whether or not I listen to it or not, if there's certain, you know, if I know them and they know me and they critique me, then I'll pay attention to it a little bit. But, but, um, so yeah, I was telling the guys about that. I was listening to your, um, rant about breaking down, like like what level, basically if people give you money, then you listen to them. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, so I do. And, and the reason, the reason I, I listen to them when they give me money is because like, like I have no, I have no sky daddy to like, I can't compel you to give me money like from any other way other than like, Hey, if you like the mission of the show, support it. So if you're willing to give me money, then you support the mission. And if you support the mission and you critique me, you're damn right. I'm going to listen to you because you're part of the team. 
Like you're part of the board. board you're part of the board of directors. If they some believe Joe, in your art, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah if some Joe thing. Schmo is like, I listen to. A, this is the first time I ever listened to your show, and I hate it, bro, because you're a dick. I'm like, well, fuck off, man. Like, go listen to somebody else. Like, I don't care. Come listen to Fade to Gray if that's you. <laughs> Let yeah, me tell. We love trolls over here. Let me tell you who you should listen to. Uh, so, so no, I, you know, I'm actually like, I love what I'm doing, and I get emails every week from people who are, you know, finding their path based on something that we have said, whether they agree with it or disagree with it. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, and it's great and I love it. And so, so no, I lay awake at night going, holy shit, this is working. Like not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's. It's awesome, yeah. man. I, I also love the podcast and I really like the segments that you guys are doing. Uh, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. Way, way too good. Now, that's like a major inside joke for anybody that hasn't listened to that. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but I just can't, Chris. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'll make sure to remove you from all of the uh, group messages that have you in from now on. So don't worry. We won't be inviting that you is, anymore. Of those that, se- that segment is a fan favorite. I'll tell you what. Like, people love that segment. Um, yeah. For those who haven't listened to his <laughs> podcast, he's got a segment where they talk about things that kind of piss them off. And and uh, what, what's it called, it's called I'm sorry, but I just can't. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, so, all right. So the thing is like, Tammy and I like to bitch about things and like they, like when we're driving down the road, we just bitch about stuff and we know that it's catty and we know that it's stupid and we know that it's just all about like people inconveniencing us. And so, <laughs> so we decided to turn that into a segment of the show. And so every time we do it, you know, we bitch about things like people at the airport who can't figure out what 50 pounds is and they have to, they have to redo <laughs> their whole damn suitcase in the front of the line because they couldn't get their shit together when they were at home. And so, yeah. so, you know, and it's, it's just fun. It's just what we try to do is, we, we want to have fun and at the same time, like, you know, we, we want you to think, we want you to have fun, and we want you to feel encouraged by the end. And if we can do all three of those things in one show, then that's really cool. But if we, if all you do is have fun, then we're happy with that too. So, and then know. maybe, you know, casually fuck, you know, whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we have to know you first. And that's, that's how it, that's how it goes. <laughs> so, how did that, like, come about as far as, okay, so you told the story of your, marriage and how yeah. you go yep. through your divorce um you've told us a little bit about your podcast and you know you still have kind of like that pastor's heart even right you, right, right you want people to have a place and do this whole community thing so how did you find uh tammy is it mm-hmm. yeah and, and then how, how did you like and she's producing she's on the show with you well you we guys... so we yeah we, we call her producer tammy i mean she's essentially my co-host but that sounds less exciting than producer tammy so so and she does she sends emails for me and she'll like you know if i need something looked up or whatever like hey baby she's you your partner up. as well yeah, she right? is yeah like, yeah like so wife yeah partner type yeah, thing yeah, too, yeah so and... yeah yeah so she's she's my girlfriend she'll one day probably be my wife um i'm not ready for that yet though so girlfriend is good for me uh, we we live together. We have two dogs together. Like we've been living together for almost two. We've been together for almost two years. Been living together for about a year and a half. Um, so yeah, I mean we we live life together. Like we, you know, she she's really brought a lot more to the show since she's been there. Um, you know, if you listen to the earlier shows with just me as opposed to with her, like it's a lot more exciting when her voice is on there too. Um, yeah. So so and you guys have always been in an open relationship. So or? so here's here's the 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 short version of a. Re- a, a I'm going to give you a short version of a long story. Um, when we first met, um, well, let me back up. 
I always, whenever, whenever somebody damn technology demon, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Like, I really feel like it's me, guys, but I don't know what the hell it is. Um, I'm not using my computer today, by the way. I'm using Tammy's. Um, so, so when I those are all the DMs that are sliding in from I know, last, right? From the other, from the other, from the other <laughs> the boys out there. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, that's the yeah. wing too. What's up? It's from, it's from all those, it's from all those other guys. Um, so neck down, neck down. So. <laughs> So when I, um, part of, how do I say this? All right. So once I got, you were sexually repressed big time and there's, there's, and now you're ready to, that's a, yeah, yeah. I was sexually repressed and I'm not, that's a really good way to put it. Um, but I always, there's just too much dick for just one girl. Yeah. And I've, I've never, so (laughs) once I realized that I didn't have to have sex with one person for the rest of my life, I didn't want to have sex with one person for the rest of my life. And when we first started dating, uh, on our first date, actually, we talked about threesomes, and we talked about, um, like, we talked about everything on our first date. We talked about politics, religion, family, sex, threesomes, like, everything. And and I'd always wanted to be in a relationship where it would be okay for me to, like, have sex with another person um, every now and then. Like, it didn't have to be every day. It didn't have to be every week. Um, but, you know, every now and then, something I wanted. And so, uh, when we met, it was something that she was interested in. And so... We uh, initially we were like kind of talking about. So when we first started dating, I knew a couple of people who probably would have been interested in doing that, but that was off limits because we were a new relationship, and you can't just be like, "Hey, we have a new relationship," but I know this chick that I've had sex with before that would probably be down. And so, so we started. Um, we we got into uh, dating other couples. And that was pretty good. We went on a couple of, of good first dates, but we were very new to the whole process, so we didn't know we didn't know what it would we didn't know how to do it. Like we didn't know how to go from sure. going out with a beer with a couple to all of a sudden like how do we how does everybody get naked? You know, like we didn't know yeah. how you go from nice to meet you to hey, let's all have sex. Whereas when it's just like you and another person was two people. There's kind of a progression there, but when there's four people, you're not sure. So the first time, our first experience was pretty clunky, and things didn't work right. If you get what I'm saying, and so absolutely. Um, so uh, for those of you that don't really get it, my penis remained flaccid for the majority of the time, uh, and so <laughs> so that was so that oh, was majority. A, so I mean, there was a win at least. A little there bit was, there was, there was a win, but I got really in my head. So so to really break it down, so to get to really get graphic. Um, but not super graphic. Like there was a point where they were both, you know, both the ladies were were there and everything was working great. But then in my head, I was like, is she going to get mad at me because I'm harder when this girl mm. is here as opposed to her? And so I really got, I really started caring more about what she thought and not what I was, not what I was experiencing. And then everything just like, bam, just yeah. like, bam, like they lower the flag. I thought you were going to say that the, that the other male tried to do stuff with no, you. No, like, no, I probably, I probably, I probably would. I don't know how I would have reacted to that. I probably would have been like, Oh, see how that goes. <laughs> so <laughs> does that happen? Uh, like, no, I, I don't so, even know so, what this well, entails. So, Tell us a little bit. No more. Eye so, what no is eye this? so, so most of the, most of the guys <laughs> are, are straight. Like you, there's, there, there's occasionally okay. a bi-curious guy, but most of them are straight. Most of the women are bi-curious or at least like open. And so they'll either be bisexual, bi-curious, or open. And so um, sometimes the ladies will play with each other. The guys, you know, there'll be incidental contact depending on just the situation that you're in. Um, but there's there, there we haven't met anybody. We haven't incidental met any contact, men who... Kind of like collateral yeah. damage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, you're, 
when you're all when you're all in the when when you're in close proximity, things bump into each other, and so that's just how it goes. And uh, and you got you have to be comfortable with that. Um, but uh, but we we haven't encountered any guys who are you know who were who are would be open. Um, I'm not necessarily opposed to being open. I just I just uh, we haven't been in that situation, and so um, so those first couple instances were the first instance was. It, it it was it was really challenging because it didn't go how it was supposed to, and so so I think that was a hit to my confidence. And then we our lives got really busy, so we just didn't pursue it anymore. And then this December, um, I had reconnected with someone um, who who so it, it, in past relationships, when I get bored, I leave. But Tammy Tammy is like the perfect person for me. Like I could not. Like if you were to tell me to create the perfect person for me, I could not create her because I wouldn't have been able to think about all the things that what I would have needed to create her. So she is like, like that's so sweet. Like in my thank you in my in my past relationships, I've always been like nope, 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 and it's been easy to leave. But in this situation, it, it it's not. I don't want to leave, and so I had I reconnected with a, a, a person that I knew from my past. And we, you know, had been chatting on the phone, whatever, and it, it got a little sexy. And so I like felt bad about it. So I told her about it. And uh, because because something awakened in me when I was talking to this other person that had been kind of dormant for a while, that like, you know, new relationship energy that you, you know, you hear about and all that stuff. And and so, so, so that kind of led us to diving back into this. And, um, you know, it was really challenging at first because I, you know, we had, there was a lot of trust issues, a lot of betrayal issues and stuff like that. Um, and so, but when we dove back into the swing thing, I mean, we really went for it and we, we just decided we're going to try this. We're going to do it. Um, we're not going to be shy about it. We're going to, we know what we want this time. We feel more secure in our relationship. Um, so we've had a lot of fights about it, but, but, but the thing is our relationship is so good everywhere else that when we fight about swinging, we only fight about swinging. So it doesn't go to like, well, you always do this and you always do that. And see, that's what I'm talking about. You never take out the trash. You never, you know, it doesn't digress into those (laughs) things. It just stays at what we're talking about. Um, and so, so it's been, um, our relationship is open in the sense that we, um, we will we, we meet other couples we get to know them if we like them and it's really more about Tammy feeling really good about the other girl and me feeling really good about the other guy and so yeah. if when, once we know them when we trust them like i text separately with the other women that we've met that we're not on a group chat like i just text with them separately if that if that other couple's okay with it um and then we have group messages and then when we get together like sometimes Tammy and the other guy will be in another room and I'll be in another room with the other girl. So we're not in the same room or in the same bed. We're actually like doing things together, but separately. Um, so, so, but it all, it's all about comfort level. Um, there haven't been any hall passes at this point. We do have a couple of couples that we feel comfortable enough with where if they called and said, Hey, could we borrow Tammy for a night? I'd be like, sure. Have fun. You know, enjoy yourself. Um, and, uh, or like, I feel good enough about the other guy where if he was like, Hey, you know, we're willing to try this. Could I, you know, take Tammy out for a date tonight or whatever? I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. You know, like, like it, it, it would be because we feel good about them. Like they're, they're, we, we know that ultimately like our relationship and their relationship is very important, but it all, if when we first meet someone, that's not the case. Just like in your um, relationship, it's about trust. Right, exactly. And then, and then we do have a couple situations. We have one situation in particular where we're, we're just, we're talking to a, um, a, 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 just a girl who might be part of our, you know, might come and, and hang out with us sometime. Um, but she also feels comfortable with me 
talking with her separately because now she knows the girl and feels comfortable with her and trusts her. So it's all about it's all about her. You know uh, what I get to do a lot of times is all about her trusting the other girl. Um, where I'm tip- I'm not a jealous person. Like I don't have that jealousy part of me. So like. If she were just like randomly talking to some other person, like I probably wouldn't be as upset about it as if, um, you know, we were talking about like what situations I would be upset about. And so there are a couple of situations that would make me uncomfortable and jealous. But um, ultimately, like I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty comfortable. I know she's going to come home with me and I know I'm going to go home with her. So it's not um, it's just about like, you know, I don't want to have sex with just one person for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> so uh, that's really yeah. interesting to me. I've been in a monogamous monogamous marriage, you know, for 12 years. Um, and I'm actually at the beginning of divorce. So, you know, for, for me, it's like very interesting, the prospect of, you know, what dating looks like and all this stuff. And I get to redefine, you know, essentially my sexuality if I want, because now I'm, I'm not a Christian. I, you know, I won't be married. So for me, that's a very weird yeah. thing to think you're about. Looking at your, um, you're looking and, at your natural progression right now, Chris. And I'm sure all your friends and family, <laughs> Lucas, were just like, oh, this makes sense. You know, you don't believe Jesus anymore. I mean, of course you're in right. open and swinging relationships. What's next? I mean, it's like... <laughs> so. Yeah, so so I think too, like this is the life, this is the, we, we talk about Planet Luke and Planet Tammy because Tammy is a very, like she's a very monogamous person. She, she like she would be so, like she would be super comfortable with just me for the rest of her life. Like she's doing this for me. She gets a lot of pleasure and enjoyment out of it, but she does it for me. Like if I tomorrow said, "Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore," she'd be fine with hanging up the hat. But she, but she does it for me, and I'm okay. And I, like, it's, it's. I brought this to her, and it's her choice on whether or not she wants to stay. And she chose to to do this with me. And so it's just like any relationship. You know, you're responsible for you and bringing who you are to the situation, and the other person is responsible for their response. And so, so she gets a lot of joy and a lot of pleasure out of it. But it is, it's something that she could do without. Whereas for me, this is the life I've always dreamed of. Like I've always, even in my Christian days, I always dreamed of open situations where you're not just in the same situation with the same person in the same house for the, you know, for the rest of your life, but you're doing different things and different people. And, and it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not just, it's not just that monogamous thing. And so, so we, we call it planet Luke in the sense that like, I don't get jealous when I see her flirting with another guy. I love it. I'm like, hell yeah, she's hot and she's coming home with me, but enjoy your time, son. And so like, <laughs> like, like, you know, so I don't get jealous. Like I love, cause I love seeing like, like it's not a turn, it's not a turn on or a turn off for me when I see her with another person. Um, like sexually good for her. It's a but I, I, for her. yeah, it, it, it does. It's like, see other dudes are into you. See that? Like, see how, see, see how into you he is. Um, and I just, I love that. And I love to see her walk a little bit taller and it's just, it's just different. And so, so I like that. Um, and, and, and I don't get jealous in those situations. Um, we, we talked about a couple situations where I probably like would get jealous. Um, but in general, I don't, whereas we've had to work a lot through like her feeling that way. And a lot of it just goes back to whether or not she thinks, you know, I'm going to leave her and I'm not. And so the, the longer we do it and the more I keep coming home to her, the more she sees like, oh yeah, okay. Like he's, he still loves me. He still wants to be with me. And then, and it's opened up a whole nother realm to all the repressed sexual feelings that I've had my entire life. (laughs) Sure. And do you think that if she decides one day that she's not into this anymore, 
Um, and she comes to you and says, Hey, can we not do this anymore? Like, would you be okay with that? Or would it be kind of like a deal breaker we for will you? Cross that bridge when we get there. If we do, if she gotcha. did it right now, it would be really hard for me to stay in the relationship. So, gotcha. so it would be, I would have to really consider that. Um, yeah. Uh, because if, 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 if I, so right now, so right now today, um, you know, whatever day it is here in 2019, um, if she were to say, I can't do this anymore, I can't swing, I can't go out, I can't do this, um, I would I would either say okay and inevitably cheat on her at some point, um, or I would end the relationship at this point. Um, um, you know, and and we, you know, we we have there because it, it ebbs and flows. Like there are times where I'm like, oh hell yeah, I want to get into the swing. I really want to go, like, let's go meet up with, you know, couple A. Um then the other times I'm like, man, I just want to sit at home and eat Cheetos and drink beer. You know, like that's all I want to do and like and be with her like because we have we have our own sexual relationship that we're express, you know, that we're exploring and our sex life has gotten better since we've started this. Um, it's it's uh, I mean, it, it there was a lot of dormancy that was there where uh, we've been able to explore a lot of things sexually that we never explored before when we were just monogamous. Um, and so so um, but yeah, I mean, if 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 push came to shove today, that would be a really challenging thing to you know it would there'd be there'd be tough stuff to deal with in that so i don't know because I, I i know I, I know me and i think inevitably i would cheat is where it would you're go. very open about this obviously you're very comfortable talking about it um but i'm sure maybe i'm not sure i mean it'd be different if like her parents were sitting on the other side of the call i mean it seems like you know you're talking about it on your podcast on our podcast so obviously it's out there it's not a secret right you're not like doing this like in some like like skeezy dark corner right. or anything like that but <laughs> with it being more your idea like you're saying to kind of like maybe even influence her in a way like if you sit down like having dinner with her parents and you guys are like talking about some couple you met last week like how would that i mean so you're getting like a stink out so, from her dad how's that so <laughs> so tammy's parents are very catholic so we don't talk about any of this stuff with with her parents this this is stuff that this is stuff that so i i have some family members that listen to my podcast and she has some family members that listen to our podcast as well and they heard about it and they actually responded i'm not going to, to say you know they responded very favorably to what we do um based on kind of how they live their life and if my if my i can't wait to tell my parents in some way about what we do because because i just want to see the look on their faces um just like i can't wait to tell my mom one day that i had to, to take a paternity test like i'm waiting for the right time to tell her that like one time i had to take a paternity test because i just want to see the look on her face um but uh but with with tammy's parents they're, they're very they're, her dad's very religious he's still warming up to the fact that i'm an atheist um and uh and so so you know we wouldn't we don't talk about this in we don't talk about this like in our in our we talk about it a lot on the show and we talk about i talk about a lot i've talked about it a lot recently if i'm getting you know if i'm i'm be, if i'm a guest um but we don't talk about it we talk about it with certain people that are part of our friend groups that we call them our vanilla friends. When we're when we're with them, we we do or we don't talk about because we don't want people to think that we're trying to fuck them. So like like if right. we have people that we've been friends with for a long time, and we talk to them about it, like what I don't want them to think is like I'm we're trying to like we're telling you about this because we want to go take your pants off later. Like no 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 no, this is just part of our life, and so. We're we're pretty judicious about where we talk about it. If someone brings it up, we'll mention it, but we don't we don't lead. It's like my atheism. Like I don't tell people that I'm an atheist in like my daily life. 
Like, I don't, if someone talks to me about church, I'm not like, mm, don't talk to me about church because I'm an atheist. I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, my church, when I went to church back in Indiana, X, Y, and Z happened. Um, you know, I told a story at the beginning of class today. Somebody asked if they put their yoga mat in somebody else's spot. And I was like, I was like, this isn't church. Nobody owns a pew here. Like, you, uh, <laughs> you just put your, you put your mat down wherever you want to put your mat down. Um, and, you know, they laughed about it. So they probably thought, oh, yeah, he's a church goer. I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> lead with atheism if somebody pushes me on where i believe then i'll tell them but otherwise i don't i don't bring it up it's not it's not typically important to my interpersonal relationships uh if you're a believer cool i'll love you i don't care like i don't care what you believe like just don't just don't judge me for what i believe i'm not going to judge you for what you believe and same thing with like the sex thing and the swinging thing like i don't lead with that but if it comes up i'll tell you so yeah well, believer or non-believer, I highly recommend that you go check out Your Atheist Pastor. It's on Definitely. iTunes. It's on anywhere check you get it podcasts. It's very good. Um, and Luke, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and talk with us today and bullshit with us today about all this stuff. And and thank you. And, and you've been an awesome well, guest. Thank for you sure. for having me. And that was a bomb transition, by the way. So way to go, Chris. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there um is there anything you'd like to uh, promote for uh, our Just listeners right if, now? If you like if you liked what you heard from my mouth, listen to the show. That's all. <laughs> I mean, go to youratheistpastor.org. That's our that's our website. Um, you can join our private Facebook group if you're an atheist, agnostic, or no religion in particular. You're questioning your faith. Um, if you believe in God, you can join. We're called the Yappers. Um, but uh, other than that, just listen. Just listen to the show. Like that's all. You've been a pleasure, dude. Been a lot hey, of fun. Fellas. I knew, I knew. Listening to your podcast, I was telling these guys, like, I am coming into this thing loose and free. This guy's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna. That was a blast. Fuck yeah! Awesome yeah. guys. Let's do it. Well, <laughs> this was Cyberspear. Yeah. This was a, this was a ton of fun. So I'll uh, I'll see you I'll see you on the app once I get around to doing that, which will probably be like tomorrow. Sounds great. Awesome. <laughs> all right, man. guys, have a good one. I look forward to it, man. All right, bye. Bye. Hey everybody, I'm Meredith and I'm part of the Fade to Gray Patreon and I've got some great news for you. Are you paying too much for your auto, home, life, or small business insurance without having your own agent you can trust to advise you correctly? Insurance agent Chad Johnson has multiple companies to offer these products and is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Iowa. Call or text message him at 417 421 2925 for a no obligation quote on any of your insurance needs. Again, that's call or text message 417-421-2925.